Hey, we welcome you today. God bless you. My name's Danny Forshe, pastor here at Great Hills. Honored to serve this great church now for a little over 10 years, and you're watching us online. Many of you are. Or else I know you would be here. We're not usually this empty in our big sanctuary. So many of you, hundreds of you are watching us online. And listen, we're thrilled that you're watching us. And God bless you. I appreciate you. And as you were invited a moment ago to uh, click your share button, YouTube and Facebook, and just know, um, know that we're here for you and that we love you. And we're honored to serve you and to serve our great church and love what God is doing at Great Hills Baptist Church. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Acts chapter 9. We are preaching through the entire book of Acts. We've been studying it a year and a half, and we're not a third of the way through. So, hey, that's how it goes. Amen. We're going to just go verse by verse, and we're going to share a wonderful narrative with you today. It's a tremendous story. It has some amazing characters, tremendous plot, has a conflict, has an amazing resolution. Hollywood has nothing on this story that I'm going to read to you today. And what's so amazing about it, church, is it's true. It all happened precisely as the first-rate historian and the good Dr. Luke recorded it for us in his sequel to the book of Luke, the great gospel of Luke. We're looking now at the book of Acts. We have some guests with us today. And Billy, I know you're here somewhere. I just want to welcome you. Billy, pop off. You're in the house. Would you just wave at me somewhere? There you are. God bless you, Billy, and his brand new wife. They've just been married a few, a few weeks, I think it is. She was a cheerleader for, uh, for a little Baptist school up at uh, Waco. Andy, you may have heard of it. Uh, Sikkim Bears. So his wife was a cheerleader there, and now she is married to Billy. And y'all got some friends with you here as well? God bless y'all, Billy. And he works for a group called the Dunham Company. It's a wonderful group out of Dallas. They help Great Hills Baptist Church and all things social media. Billy specifically helps me at DFEA, and so I appreciate him so much and his wife, brand new wife and friends being here uh, with us uh, today. Hey, next week is the Lord's Supper. Now, it's going to be awesome. See, how do you partake of the Lord's Supper with a mask? We have designed these special masks just for you next week. <laughs> just kidding. We're, we're going to take those things off, and we're going to eat that bread and drink that juice. And if you're online, you're like, hey, that's not fair. I can't observe the Lord's Supper. Yes, you can. In fact, we've got deacons that are hand-delivering the elements to people in their homes. And if you're one of those that want to receive your little packet, you let us know. If we can't get it to you by train, automobile, or plane, we will mail it to you, okay? Because we want you to participate. Next week, Jeff, the whole service. The, what we do at Great Hills, we just build the whole thing around the elements. I probably won't preach on the book of Acts, but I promise you I will preach. I will be fired up and ready to preach the Word of God as we observe the elements. So here we are in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through uh, 43. Ooh, what a text. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha. Now, that is her Aramaic name, and it means gazelle. Isn't that pretty? Tabitha. Now, her Greek name is Dorcas. You say, I like Tabitha a whole lot better. And Dorcas in Greek also means gazelle. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Now, the word did, you may think that's just a simple verb. Listen, that is an imperfect tense verb in the Greek New Testament, which means continual action in the past. So this sweet lady 
she would not just engage every now and then in good deeds and charitable works, but she continually, perpetually, ongoingly, in fact, she was known as the lady who did good deeds. The next verse says, but it happened in those days that she became sick and she died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. <laughs> I'm laughing because that's not where you put dead people. Six feet under, thought it was over. That's where you put dead people. You put them in the grave. But they heard that God was doing some amazing things through his people. And they heard that Peter was only 10 miles away in Lydda. Maybe we'll just put her in the upper room and we'll ask Peter to come and pray. Who knows what might happen? Do you catch that? They put her in a room. They didn't go and bury her immediately. And since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. Told you, told you. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and he went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. All the widows. How many of the widows, church? All the widows. Stood by him weeping, showing their tunics. Y'all watch this. Peter, you just don't, you don't know this lady. This was an amazing woman of God. She was a disciple, a follower of Jesus. She made Look, Peter, she made this. That's what the text is implying. That the widows had gathered around Peter and said, Peter, are you watching this? Look, she made me these clothes. Widows were the poorest of the poor, church. If you were a widow in the first century, mercy, you were just cast upon the mercy of anybody who would help you, especially your family. And so these widows are crying, they're weeping. They're like, look, look what this woman had done with us and for us. They showed him the garments and the tunics which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out. He said, widow ladies, I love you, but it's time for y'all to leave. Please leave. And look what Peter did. He knelt down. And what did he do, church? What's the verse say? And he prayed. Hey, listen, look, desperate times call for desperate measures. When you do not know what else to do with your life, if you think you have reached the absolute rock bottom, look, look at this. You can pray. You can lift up your eyes to heaven and say, oh God, here I am in the most desperate situation I have ever faced in my marriage, in my finances, in my job, in my health. Oh God, I am desperate and I need you. And it's what Peter does. He kneels and he prays to God. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. Come on, church. What in the world? You said, do you really believe that, Brother Dan? I really believe that. She opened her eyes. Thank you, Jesus. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. That's why he put the widows out of the room, because they would have had a heart attack. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I think that's what would have happened. If they had seen that with their eyes, they may have just gone on to heaven. Now, they're going to have a little time now. Tabitha's going to be able to go talk to them. She opened her eyes, she looked at Peter, and then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows... He presented her alive. And it became known throughout all of Joppa and many, come on church, many believed on the Lord. And so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. The title of my message today is Live to be Missed. Living uh, to be missed. When it's time, by the way, the time is 
It's near. It's time for all of us. It may be a few decades, but all of us must pass this portal, this threshold called death. And when we do, I hope that you will have lived such a life that you will be genuinely missed. That your presence, that your footprint that you left on earth, there will be such a vacancy, there will be such a hole that I, when I stand up, or one of these pastors, and we preach your funeral, we don't have to guess where you are. We don't have to go rummaging around going, oh my word, did he really go to heaven? Is, did she have any good deeds in her life? No. And we stand up, we'll say, this was a woman of God. This was a man of God. And how we sorely miss him. Live to be missed. Just two weeks, three weeks ago, I preached the funeral right here of a man named James Tisdale. And the title of my sermon out of Matthew chapter 25 was Live to be Missed. And I know he's not your favorite president, but he may be mine. Say, so who in the world are you talking about, bro? We've had 40-something presidents. Who are you talking about? Abraham Lincoln. I, I read David Donald's biography years and years ago. And I was thinking this week about the Emancipation Proclamation, the Gettysburg Address, I was thinking about the champion he was for to end slavery, to be the chief of abolitionists. And Abraham Lincoln is known for, for many things. He was called Honest Abe because he was a man of integrity. Him and his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, she attended uh, the New York Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C. One day in the summer of 1864, come on, anybody help me. What is happening in America in 1864? There's a thing called the Civil War, 1861 to 1865. In the summer, he had a friend, an atheist, agnostic, skeptical friend, Joshua Sneed, came to him and said, quote, I am glad to see you so profitably engaged as you read your Bible, President. Yes, Lincoln said, I am profitably engaged. And Joshua Sneed said to him, well, if you have recovered from your skepticism, that's great, but I'm sorry to say that I have not. And Lincoln looked at him and said these words, you are wrong, Mr. Sneed. Take all of this book upon reason that you can and the balance on faith, and you will live and die a happier and better man. Ooh, that's a good word. Hey, that miracle I just read to you a moment ago, take it on reason, and you say, but my reason can't go any further than that. That resurrection from the dead got me. Now, I'm just being honest with you. I'm an imperious, I'm a rationalist, I'm a scientist, and I'm an analytical kind of person. That kind of stuff, just it just kind of bothers me. Take it on faith. Just say, God, I don't understand it, but God, your word says it, and so I am trusting that this is the case. He was given a Bible by a group of African Americans from Baltimore, and he said to them, this great book is the best gift God has ever given to mankind. April the 14th, 1865, just a few weeks after his second inaugural address, I highly recommend that you read it. It's one of the greatest pieces of literature in our country. John Wilkes Booth slipped in. His guard says, President's okay, I'll just take a break. And when he took his break, Booth's come, Wilkes Booth comes in, shoots the president, mortally wounds him. He's laying there in his deathbed. And I'll be honest with you, when I read this, I cried. I literally wept because family and friends and colleagues and associates, they're gathered around the bed and they're just weeping the, the soon death of the president. Sure enough, at 722, April 15, he died and the president uh, the, the physician said, the president is no more. 
And then Edwin Stanton, his secretary of war said these infamous words. He said, here he is. Now he belongs to the ages. And here we are 150 plus years talking about a man named Abraham Lincoln because he lived a life to be missed. Now, some of you are looking at me going, hold on a second, Pastor Dean. I'm no president of the United States and I'm no Pastor Tisdale, live to be missed. I am just me and I'm just gonna make my little mark here on this earth and I'm gonna slip on into eternity. Mm, 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 tell you something. That is bad, bad logic. That is, God did not save you. Jesus did not die on the cross for your sins and save you and fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you could live a mediocre, mundane, humdrum life and just live your little life, die, and just go on into eternity. Say, well, my footprint wasn't very big. Why not? Why don't you leave a big footprint so that when you die, everybody will say, man, I miss her. Man, I miss him because they were a follower of Jesus Christ. They lived a categorically different kind of life. And so that's what I'm going to talk to you all about today. Is that okay with you all? We talked to you about this? Amen. See, sure, it's okay if that's what you want to do. Just talk to us about this. Tabitha Dorcas, she lived a life to be missed and so did Peter. And so the narrative is just, it's just seamless, it's beautiful. And so as I just preach it and move in and out of the text, I just want you to think about your life. And I really want you to seriously think, now some of you teenagers are going, dude, wake me up when he's done. I've got decades to live. I all this talk about moribund, uh, you know, uh, morbid, morbidity and death. Hey, listen, the young might, but the old have to. Y'all with me? The young may, but the old must pass this way. And I want you to live the kind of life where you will be missed. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray and now, God, you'd speak to us. Lord, we have sung your praise. We have, we have read the sacred text. And Holy Spirit of God, we pray that you would teach us, speak to us, challenge us. Lord, cause us to be dedicated, deep follower of Jesus Christ so that when this life is over, people will really miss us because of the life that we lived yielded to you. I pray for those who don't know you, Lord. And I know there are many, there are many that come online with us, many here. And Lord, they're still trying to, they're still trying to cross over that threshold of faith and belief. So I'm just praying for them, God, that you would draw them to yourself. And Lord, may they trust you in this very hour. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. I love preaching through the book of Acts. What an incredible moving narrative story. First of all, it's Tabitha, I call her the graceful disciple because both in Aramaic and in Greek, whether it's Tabitha or Dorcas, the name means gazelle. And so when I think of a gazelle, I don't know what you think about it. You think about somebody, you shoot it, kill it, eat it, but I'm thinking about a graceful animal, you know, very elegant, elegant. So verse 36 says, Joppa um, is well known, right? And it's about 10 miles northwest of Lydda, where Peter is. And when, when you think of Joppa, does any, anything resonate in your mind, you biblical scholars? Who got swallowed up by the big fish? Jonah. Jonah, thank you, Juan. He, he was in Joppa. You say, what was he doing in Joppa? Well, let me show you. First of all, the fish that swallowed him. I got a I got a picture of it somewhere here. Do we have that? 
We should. Look at that. I found it. I said, where'd you get that creature? That is a real live stone fish in Joppa commemorating Jonah. It's Tel Aviv. It's modern day Tel Aviv. And so Jonah, the Bible says, and you, you know the story, now arise, God said, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose, and he fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to, y'all say that word with me, Joppa. In, in Israel, they call it Hapha, Hapha is what they call it. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, Jonah. He knows he's supposed to go to Nineveh, which is way in the east, but he goes to Joppa in the west and he gets on a boat heading toward Tarshish, Spain, oh, far from the presence of the Lord. But we know Joppa. But I want you to know Joppa more than just Jonah and his disobedience. I want you to now remember Joppa and Peter's obedience because this is where this great miracle transpired. First of all, this lady lived to be missed because she was a mathetria. This is interesting to me. The only time in the Greek New Testament is this word used. Check that out. That's pretty significant. Ladies, I think that's pretty cool. One time in the entire Greek New Testament, this word translated a certain disciple, Matria, is only used of this lady, Tabitha or Adorcus. It's a great compliment. She is first and foremost described as a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ. Did y'all catch that in the text? The very first word of introduction was, look, Peter, this was a follower of Jesus Christ. And look, guys, when it's all said and done, all of our accomplishments and all of our education and all of the things that we did or did not do, everything boils down to this. Did you follow God's only remedy for sin? Did you have a relationship with the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, all else? All else pales into comparison to whether you know him or you do not know him. And I'm praying right now that you do know him. That when you die, you go into the very presence of Almighty God and you're ushered into heaven. You see Christ, the angels, and those who've gone before you say, that's what I want. Well, here's what you do. You receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what you do. You just believe in him. You trust in him. You say, God, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Lord, come into my life. Shazam. Woo, man, it happens. Born again by the spirit of God. And you are a disciple. Man. Second thing about her I think is pretty cool is she was full of good deeds. The Greek word pleris, it means to be replete, to be covered, to be overflowing. She had charitable deeds, compassion toward the poor. And she did these things. You want to, you can circle verse 36. You can circle the word did, imperfect tense. She kept on doing it. Verse 39 tells us who some of the poor were that ministered, that Tabitha ministered to, and it was the widows. Man, the widows are those people that just didn't have much. And they were absolutely dependent, contingent upon the alms and the good deeds of others. And that's why Christianity, one of the reasons why it flourished and just blossomed and burgeoned and grew because the Christians would take care of their own and they would reach beyond their own and they would minister to the lepers. They would minister to the slaves. They would minister to the widows. They would minister to the orphans because they were obeying Jesus' commandment to love God 
with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. When you give your life in service to bless and minister to those who cannot pay you back, you will be greatly missed. Okay, now I'm gonna ask you a question. Ooh, I can't wait to ask you this question. Some of you are gonna be upset because this question in a good spiritual way is going to haunt you. You're like, don't tell me that, don't tell me, don't, don't tell me that, don't tell me that. No, 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 I just wanna tell you. Ooh, I can't wait to ask you this question. This question I'm about to ask, I asked it um, years ago and this lady, it radically changed her life. She will tell you today, because you asked me that question, it changed me, it messed me up. It changed her finances, it changed her job, it changed her whole life. You say, what is the question? I might get emotional when I ask you this. When you die, will the poor miss you? When you die, will the poor miss you? They missed her because she did charitable deeds, good deeds. Hey, Judy Stone, you used to sit right here, but you've backslidden and you're at home now, and so we just <laughs> want you to know we forgive you. No, Judy Stone's at home because she really should not come with the condition with her lungs. I thought about you a lot as I preached the sermon because you love those who can't pay you back. She loves widows. Y'all know who I'm talking about, Miss Judy? She helps widows. We're, we're clapping for her. Oh, God, I brought my tissue. Norman Vincent Peale, I don't agree with everything he did and said, but I sure do like this story I'm about to tell you. He had preached and taught in Florida and he had a good friend. And that good friend just happened to be his brother who picked him up from the, uh, the airport, went to his preaching assignment. He didn't have much time and he had to get back to the airport. That's what I'm doing today, by the way. I'm running to the Austin Bergstrom Airport. I'm jumping on a plane. I'm flying to Florida. I'm preaching in the morning. I'm flying right back. And so he had a very brief window of time and he's driving down the road and his brother says, Norman, I wish we were not in such a hurry because I'm about to drive by this restaurant. They have the most absolute, amazing, most wonderful pies you've ever eaten in your life. He said, brother, don't tell me that. Don't tell me you, you, this lady cooks all these pies. And we, he says, you got to stop. He says, well, it's going to be tight. If we stop at that restaurant, it, we, you might miss your plane. He said, I don't care. Stop at the restaurant. So they did. He sat down. True story. Norman Vincent Peale ordered a piece of apple pie. He took a bite of that pie and he said, brother, let me tell you something. That's the best pie I have ever eaten in my life. And he devoured it. And he says, waitress, waitress, can you get me a piece of the cherry pie? True story. They brought a piece of the cherry pie. One, this sounds good, doesn't it? Cherry pie, apple pie. And he ate it and he goes, I, I want to see the person who did this. I want to personally think. And Norman Vincent Peale, he just wasn't bashful. And he gets up, walks to the pre-COVID days, he walks into the kitchen area and he opens up the door and he says, I gotta know who makes these pies. And this little lady comes out, just sweet, little humble Mary is her name, Mary. And she just comes out and she says, sir, that would be me. And he said, ma'am, I, I just want you to tell you something, you know, that, that pie, that pie, those pies were the, and she said, that was the best pie you've ever had in your life. He said, how, how did you know that? She said, sir, you got to understand something. I hear this 
hundreds, hundreds of times. And then she said, sir, something you may not know. I do what I do because I'm good at it. And I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Norman Vincent Peale had no idea. He's like, oh, ma'am, well, I'm a pastor. I'm a minister. I had no idea you were a believer. And I thought about that. She did what she could do to the best of her ability to the glory of Jesus Christ. Look, you don't have to be a president. You don't have to be some pastor. You don't have to be, you don't have to be somebody that somebody knows or doesn't know. Look, if you do what God has given you, the, the opportunity, to, mm, watch this, watch this. You do it for God's glory and the benefit of heaven, you will be missed. Just mark it down. This is a graceful follower of Jesus Christ. She's full of good deeds. Now, we're going to talk about Peter, okay? Um, Apostle Peter. I'm laughing because that screen back there is broke and uh, it has a clock on it and it helps me. It helps a brother in need when I'm like, how are we doing on the time, you know? So, well, what time's your flight leave, Brother Danny? Well, it leaves at 1230, so I'm a little concerned. Just kidding. It doesn't leave at 1230. It leaves at, I just want to see if y'all are listening, all right? Just see. I'm like, dude, you got me, you got me. So at 230, so what time is it, Ashley, you know? 11.45, okay. You have me glasses, babe? <laughs> I just don't call everybody baby. This would be my wife sitting up here, all right? Peter, let's talk about Peter. Was, did he live to be missed? I'm gonna give you four reasons. The answer to that question is yes, okay? And they're all taken from this one story. So Luke continues on. He introduces this uh, little vignette, this little story about Peter and the resurrection. It's a big deal, right? In verse 37, after Tabitha died, the church washed her body, which was customary. And I mentioned earlier, what they did next was not customary. They didn't put her six feet under. They put her up in an upper room. The first thing I want you to know about Peter in this story is he's available, all right? He's available. Verse 38 says, and verse 39 says, hey, we, we need you, sir. Would you come? There is a precious woman in our church and, and just, you just gotta come. Would you come? In verse 39, I love this. Peter arose and went with them. Isn't that good? You say, well, where was Peter? Well, let me help you. He is in Lydda in the plain of Sharon, which is 10 miles from Joppa. In Lydda, there is revival. It's breaking out. We read and we studied last time, people are being saved. Ananias they rose him up, this crippled man from eight years being paralyzed. And now he's bouncing up and down. People are being converted. I think Peter is preaching. He's teaching. He's discipling. He's baptizing. And man, he's like, woohoo. And somebody knocks on his door and says, hey, sir, would you leave all of that and come see one elderly woman who died? We want you to come see what you can do. Now, I just got to think, I just gotta be honest with you. I don't know if I'd have went. First, I would have said, but the Lord wants me here. <laughs> I mean, look. I mean, this is a happening place. And, and you want me to go where? 10 miles? Hey, there's no Uber. There ain't no Lyft. There's a camel or a donkey or your feet. 10 miles is a big deal, okay? And you want me to do what? And, and come pray for, pray for a woman that died? I don't think so. That's not what Peter did. Peter was available to God. The Bible says he arose and he went. 
Look, when God gives you an opportunity, it may not make sense on paper, theoretically. People may question your sanity, but if God is in it, do it. Just go up and say, I'm available, God. Here I am. It reminds me of Philip. Remember Philip in Acts chapter 8? Whoo, man, he's preaching. Samaritan revival. Whoo, Spirit of God came down. People are being saved. And the Spirit of God says, that's it. I'm done. Come on. We're going to take you into the desert. Going to meet this Ethiopian eunuch. And you need to talk to him. And he went. So I got to say something. I've been wanting to say this for two weeks. Peter, in obedience to the Holy Spirit, healing people, raising people from the dead, preaching the gospel. Do you know why he did those things? Oh, because Jesus spent three and a half years with him. Jesus discipled him. You know, Jesus couldn't disciple everybody. Y'all help me in mathematics. How many did Jesus really disciple? You say 12, and one of them, pastor, one of them didn't make it. That's right. So I don't feel so bad. I used to feel real bad. I used to disciple people here at Great Hills and pour my heart into them for a year. And then they not only, well, whatever. It just didn't turn out good. You say, well, Miley, and you calling those people Judas? Not really. I didn't even really mean to go there. Let me, let me come back to where I was. Those who do great things for God have been discipled by great people of God. And that's how it works. Jesus poured into Peter. He spent three and a half years. Can you imagine trying to disciple the apostle Peter? <laughs> I imagine Jesus wants to say, you nitwit, get your foot out of your ever-loving mouth. Please just be quiet for my... I mean, I imagine Jesus was like, Peter, please. And for three and a half years, Peter, James, what was the other guy's name? John. Jesus, he, he preached to the masses and the multitudes, but he spent the majority of his time with a handful and those little handful, they end up absolutely changing the world. It's the same today. When you disciple and pour yourself into a few, God does amazing things. So he's available, right? Number two, he was prayerful. When Peter arrives, there's no big fanfare for a celebrity. He was simply a servant obeying his master's orders. I love this. He kneels down. And he prays, just like Peter and John in Acts chapter three at the gate, beautiful. Something is about to happen. First he says, y'all got, you guys need to step out. And then he just, he just kneels. I know y'all saw this in the text, but it's, it's real simple, but this is, a, this is a posture of humility. This is a posture of dependence upon God. And if you're gonna live to be missed, you better get used to this posture. <laughs> okay. You got to kneel, you got to pray, spend time with the Lord. You know, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he was an amazing pastor preacher in England. In the 1800s, Metropolitan Tabernacle Church there in London. I want to say from 1860 to 1890, phenomenal pastor, mega church running 6,000 the first service. And then they filled it up again in the second service. It was a mega church before we knew what a mega church was. And so he was always having guests and visitors, people wanting to meet him and people wanting to see the church. And they were always trying to figure out what is the secret sauce to your amazing success? Now, he was a phenomenal preacher. I mean, he, his mastery 
of the English language was unparalleled. Similes and metaphors, analogies, illustrations, he would captivate you as you spoke. This group of students came to the church early one morning and, and they were there to, to see what, why does this church do what it does? How does it do it? And so they were just meandering around in the church and this older guy, he comes up to him, he goes, can I help you young people? And they said, well, yeah, we, we're from such and such college and we're just checking out the church here and we wanna know what is the secret to this church? How do you people reach so many people? What is the deal? And the older guy says, oh, I'm so glad y'all are here. Would y'all come with me? I wanna show you something. Have y'all heard this story before? I didn't think so. This is a cool story. He said, well, y'all come on. I wanna show you something. So he takes them down to the basement and he opens up the basement door and there are 700 church members on their knees, praying to God for their pastor before he preaches. And the person who's leading them around, kind of giving them the tour, he said, I wanna tell you young people something, this, and this is what he called it, the heating apparatus of our church. And the person who was giving them the tour was none other, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the pastor. Prayer, availability, obedience, humility, y'all with me? Those are the kind of characteristics and attributes of a life. If you incorporate them into your life, then I promise you, when old brother Danny or Mr. Ross back there, Terry or Daniel, Jeff, or one of us gonna stand up here, Lord willing, and we preach your funeral, it'll be a, <laughs> praise God, it'll be a celebration. Woo, man! He's gone to be the glory. I love him. I'm going to miss him, but I know where he is. Don't make me wonder where you went. Don't do that to me. Don't make me go, oh God, what am I going to say about that wicked woman? I have nothing good to say about her. Don't do that to me. Make me get up here and say, praise the Lamb of God. She was a woman of God. She loved people. She loved the lost. She loved the widow. She loved the hurt. Oh, he was a man of prayer. Praise God for his life. I deeply miss him. One day we'll see him in heaven. Don't make me lie at your funeral because <laughs> I'm not good at it. Number three is miracle. You say, whoa, wait a minute, miracles? Yeah. Those that are missed, they, God uses them to do miracles. Mark chapter five, verses 40 through 42 is a lot like this story. And they ridiculed Jesus, but when he had put them all outside, that sound familiar? Y'all with me? He took the father and the mother of the child. That was fast. Help a brother out here. Can y'all go back to verse 40? Whoever's done, thank you, thank you. I think they're in the heating apparatus over here somewhere. I think they're, I'm looking there, but they're back here somewhere. By the way, y'all ever seen what goes on back here? There's this whole state-of-the-art network of TVs and cameras and plugs and devices, media. It's pretty phenomenal, and God bless those people back there because they're the ones that are making all this happen in here. So God bless you, Corey, back there. Yid, bless you. They ridiculed him, okay, and they entered where the child was lying. That's really important, verse 41. Immediately, the girl arose and walked. Thank you. Then he took the child by the hand, and he said to her, 
one letter different. Did y'all see that? He, Peter said Tabitha and Jesus said Talitha. Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. So here's a miracle. It's much like the miracle that Jesus performed. But here's the thing. Oh, I couldn't wait. I could not wait. That's why I did my little Facebook post this morning after I ran my little three and a half miles. I could not wait to say, Great Hills, I'm so excited to tell you this. The greatest miracle was not that Tabitha had been raised from the dead. The greatest miracle was the scores of people who came to faith in Christ as a result of her resurrection from the dead. And that's the same way it is today. The greatest miracle is when somebody prays sincerely, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, I yield myself to you. That is the greatest of all miracles. That's the most spectacular. Look, there's only one time in the Bible where it says all the angels just have a holy hoot nanny. I mean, blowout party. Woo-hoo, party over here. I mean, they're like, man, did you hear that one sinner repented, called on the name of Christ. Man, they start just, I don't know what angels do when they party, but man, they're excited. One person became a follower of Christ. That is the greatest of miracles. So last Sunday, I issued a challenge for you to speak the name of Jesus. Y'all remember that? So let me ask you a question. Now, those of you that weren't here, you don't have to take this test, okay? Those of you that were here, hey, you people online, I have not forgotten you. I see you, sort of, you're there. Now I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or stand up and give a testimony, but did you do it? You well, Mr. Preacher, Pastor, did you do it? Yes. I've, I've, I, I can never ask you to do something that I'm not going to do. It's just, that's called being unethical. So we went to Babe's, fried chicken restaurant in Frisco, Texas on Monday night. Oh, have you ever eaten at Babe's? Anybody? A handful of you. Look, if you want to clog up your arteries really quick, (laughs) just go to Babe's fried chicken. Look, this is the best fried chicken you'll ever eat. It's unbelievable. So we're there with Bryant, our son of the son, and his wife, Kendall, and we're just eating and uh, Allie comes up to us and I just say, here we go. I'm not gonna say, God bless you. I'm gonna say, Jesus loves you. Did you know that? I started getting nervous. This is Monday, so I'd already preached on this on Sunday, so my heart's beating fast. And so I said, Allie, have a good day. God bless you, have a good day. No, I didn't. I said, Jesus loves you. She looked at me, she said, sir, yes, he does. And this big old smile came on her face. And later on, when she gave me the bill and Ashley gave her this astronomical tip, which is okay, I'm over it, it's fine. She gave her a big tip. (laughs) And she writes on the bill, Jesus loves you. 
with a big old heart on it. So we're sitting there in babes and uh, David Shivers is one of the pastors at Prestonwood. I don't know, what does he do there, Billy? He does a little bit of everything, David Shivers. And David Shivers walks to our table because he's with his family at the same Babe's restaurant. Bryant is on staff at Prestonwood. So they start having this little conversation. And and David says, do y'all know the story about the guy who created this restaurant? And I was like, no. He goes, his name's Paul Vineyard. I baptized him 10 years ago. I was like, come on. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, it's a funny story. What happened? He showed up for baptism, all six foot eight, 400 pounds. And David Shivers is at least six, four, six, five. And he's, he's really kind of like me. He's about six, five, <laughs> six, 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 you know, something like that. Well, Paul and his wife, Mary Beth, who created babes, all right, the restaurant, and, and they showed up for baptism. And the guy on staff at Prestonwood who was assigned to do the baptisms, I kid you not, was less than five feet tall. His last name was Dwarf. No, I'm not, I can't make this up. And he was like this tall. And he looks at this guy and he goes, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. He calls David Shivers and said, I know you're not on duty, but you got to come baptize this guy. I'm not going to make it. You got to come. And so he did. And he came and he, and he baptized. I thought, well, that's, that's pretty cool. And then the manager comes by to talk to us. No, I'm not making it up, Rick. The manager, he's huge. This is a, all these big Dallas cowboy, Texan-looking people with masks on, kind of scary hats on, comes up to our table, and he starts talking to us. I'm like, what is going on? I'm just trying to eat my chicken. Y'all are telling me all these stories. And it, it actually was pretty funny. He goes, let me tell you something else about Mr. Vineyard. He will never put a babes in Austin, Texas. I said, well, that's not right. Why would you, why would you do that? Why would you deprive us Austinites of the best fried chicken? He goes, he made a promise. He will never put a babes. He has 10, by the way. They got Bubba's, he got Babes. He's got 10 of them in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and he will not put one outside the Metroplex because he said, I want to be able to visit one of my restaurants and sleep in my own bed at night. True story. Tim Tebow, (laughs) y'all remember who he is? Tim Tebow calls Paul Vineyard and says, I will give you $10 million if you let me build three of these in Gainesville, Florida. Go Gators, right? He said, no, thank you. (laughs) It's like, man, a promise is a promise. And here I am talking about a guy in fried chicken. (laughs) Made a lot of money. But the thing I'm most impressed about is he loved Jesus. He got baptized. He's still an active member of a local church. So the last thing I want to share with y'all today is this. Peter was available. He was prayerful. God used him to do miracles. But the last thing is, verse 43, he was humble. You see, I was wondering where are you going to get this out of verse 43? Because there's not much humility in verse 43. It's just a statement of fact. Oh, but not so fast. Verse 43 says, so it was that Peter stayed many days in Jaffa, (laughs) Jaffa, with Simon, a tanner. Come on now. Jews do not touch dead animals. Tanners deal in dead animals. Taxidermy. Y'all with me? What 
is Peter doing in the home of Simon, a tanner who deals in dead animals? And I just think this is so cool because I want you to see the maturation and the discipleship of the apostle Peter. In Acts chapter eight, he's in Samaria. Jews have no dealings with these people, right? But there's, there he is. Here in chapter nine, Peter is in the home of Simon, a tanner. But even beyond that, watch this, in chapter 10, in a couple of weeks, we'll go to chapter 10 in Acts and we'll look at Cornelius. He's a Gentile. What? What? You're talking about dead animals associated with those people, Samaritans, which is just a little level above dead animals, according to the Jews, right? And then the Gentiles, oh my word, what, what is going on here? I, Peter is humble. All of that racism, all that bigotry, all that bias, it is faded away by the power of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, God has raised a champion, Peter is a champion and we see him doing these amazing things for God, no wonder. Here we are 2000 years later preaching about this rock, this mighty man of God who lived to be missed. You with me? Prayerful, available, miracle worker, humble, Peter. Tabitha Dorcas, a disciple, a follower of Jesus and a doer of good deeds. So I got to ask you a question. Are you, am I, living a life that will be missed? You say, well, Pastor, I, I don't make all that much money. That's not what I ask you. Well, you know, I have no big, big degrees. I didn't go to a big Sycamore University. You know, I just don't have all that stuff. So what? Are you a follower of Christ? Are you taking what gifts God has given you and are you using them for the glory of God and the betterment of his church? Are you humble? Are you teachable? Are you hungry for the things of God? Let me tell you, let me tell you something. If you answer that in the affirmative that I'm telling you right now before God, you will be missed. You will be missed greatly by me and by the people of this church because you live that kind of life. And I praise God for you. Now, if you be mean and you're always complaining, and you're always upset and you're always angry and you just walk around in a foul mood, we're not gonna miss you that much. <laughs> is, that the, is that not the truth? You say, you can't say that, pastor. You're the pastor, you love everybody, I do. But don't you want to be missed? I do. I, I, want, I want there to be a footprint in my little body and soul left a mark on this earth. And when it's done, you say, well, he sure wasn't perfect, bless his heart, but he sure loved Jesus. He sure loved the word of God. He sure loved this lady sitting up here on the front row and loved these people, especially, you know, this family. And he tried to tell his He tried to tell as many people as he could about Jesus. Oh, I want to say the same thing about you. I hate COVID. I just, can I just go on record and just say I just hate this stuff? 
I'm praying that God eradicates this stuff. And man, I'm looking forward to the day when we just open up this big old altar, Jeff, and people are just weeping and praying and getting revived and getting right before God. We will have people in the great hall. It's awesome. It's beautiful if you don't get distracted by the beauty and just try to talk to the counselor. If you're here today and you're like, I want to tell somebody about my story. I need direction. I need Christ. I want to live this kind of life. Pastor, you didn't miss anybody. You got the males and the females. You got them all in there. You got the Tabithas and the Peters. You got the Sues and the Bobs. You got everybody in there. That's right. And you know why? This is why I preach the Bible. Because if you preach the Bible, you say everything God wants you to say. And God's word is alive and active and sharp and penetrating. And it's awesome. And so I'm going to ask you one more time. And then I'm going to pray for you. They want to sing. Woo-hoo, it's going to be fun. And then we're going, to, we're going to go back there. We're going to greet people. Hey, how are you doing? God bless you. And then, oh, man, I wish I had time to tell this guy's story over here. Rick, I wish I had time. I don't have time. But, man, that was an awesome story. Mm, 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 mm. Let me just tell you. If you want to really mess me up, then call me on my cell phone and say, I need to tell you about this guy I just shared the gospel with. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Look, that that just blesses me beyond anything. Just say, I I got to share the gospel with the guy. You told me, Pastor, just speak his name. I did. Let me tell you what happened. I tell you what, I'll just tell the story next week. Is that okay? Yeah. Rick, come bring him with you if you can, and I'll tell that story. Don't y'all want to hear this story? Good, me too. I want to tell it, but I got to go catch a flight. But anyway, we're going to pray, and we're going to, Jeff's going to come and, and lead us. Lord, thank you for our time together. What an awesome passage of Scripture. Ooh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for putting that in there. The, about the, the widows. And, and Tabitha, and the only time this word is used in the entire Greek New Testament, it's reserved for her. Shoo wee. Thank you, Lord. That's sweet. And thank you for Peter. Lord, I, we love him. He's a knucklehead sometimes, Lord. We see him doing the same things that we do, denying you, getting mad, fussing. He's cutting off people's ears one time, and then he's denying you at another time. And yet, Lord, you were patient with him. You discipled him to maturity, and now he's changing the world. He's turning the world upside down. Lord, do that in us. Do that in me. Do this in our church. Lord, I'm praying. Thank you, God. Thank you for this other text that I got just a few days ago from one of our pastors here on the staff who said, just want to share with you, four more discipleship groups have started. Ah, Lord, thank you. Thank you that our church, Lord, this DNA of Great Hills is this disciple-making, growing deep so that we can share our faith with a lost world. Lord, just keep working on us. Keep being patient with us. Keep being patient with me. Use us, Lord, for your glory. If you're here today, maybe you are watching online. Don't, Don't turn that off yet. Stay with us. I'm praying for you. Father, Help us to live lives that will genuinely be missed when we depart and go and be with you. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.